Welcome to the second episode of the Survivors of Addiction podcast produced by Stephanie Mendenhall, that's me, Hi, hey, <laughs> in Oregon Sound Recording. Our music is entitled We Are the Champs and was yeah, produced are. by Reekdor Productions. Woohoo! So just to give you a quick overview, after spending most of their lives in active addiction, Brandon and Christy spent time in prison and then found recovery. Yep. This podcast is all about how their viewpoints differ and what they both found in their journey. I'm excited to have you hear them talk about being leaders in our organization called Reclaiming Lives. Here they are. And that's just it right there. It's all just what we think and what we believe. Yes. We're not professionals by any means. Oh, we are. I think we are. (laughs) All right, you guys. Back again. Episode two. Woohoo. Leading by example. First, I just want to say thank you guys for joining us again. This is truly remarkable thing that Christy and I get to do. Um, Today, we're going to be able to talk to you a little bit about leading by example and why that is important, not only to you, but to your recovery and pretty much the outcome of your recovery as well. Um, My name is Brandon Orr, and with me as always is... Christy Lashober. Yeah, it is. So we're super excited you guys are here. Um, We're super excited to be able to do this. Um, I kind of want to just jump right into it. Leading by example, personally, why is it important? A, it's important because somebody's always watching you. Yes. There's always, whether it be a newcomer, whether it be somebody with 10 years over their belt in recovery, whether it's somebody that has no days, right? Mm. Um, somebody's always watching you. So it's important to know that when you're doing something um, for yourself um, to lead by example. And I use it best as integrity. Yes, and even people that aren't in recovery, that don't have a problem with addiction, are watching. Everybody's always watching. Everybody, somebody's always watching. Welcome to the world we live in. <laughs> so it's important to, to lead by example because whether, you know, I read this, it's really cool. I read this um, article on Facebook, believe it or not, about a gentleman, and I think it was... Oh, I can't remember his name. The lead singer of Black Flag. He uh, said he had this thing about putting your shopping cart back. Oh, yeah. Did you read that? Well, no, but my sponsor used to talk about that a lot. Yeah, it's even the little things. So, you know, that's the type of life that I want to live today. And if somebody sees me putting the shopping cart away, well, maybe it'll allow them to think, man, maybe I should do that. To be honest, that's why I park close to little shopping cart things, to be honest with you. Like, I ain't no dummy. But then too, even when I put the shopping cart back for myself, it's so, it sounds a little crazy, but it's a little bit of like, wow, look at me. I'm doing big things. I'm taking care of myself and my community. Integrity. Integrity. Right? Yeah. So a little bit about why this is important, because if I didn't have somebody to look up to in my recovery, I don't know if I would have known how to live the life that I deserved. You know, um, first, I want to point out that recovery gave me everything that drugs promised. Yes. You know, and it was important for me to find my recovery. And I didn't know who to look up to. They always say, find a sponsor who has what you want or Mm -hmm. find a mentor that believes in what you believe in. And as much as I like to say those things are 100% true, 
they are. Mm. You know, like it's a fact. Like no matter how you look at it, you know, you don't. And I didn't fully respect one of my sponsors. I just really liked how he lived his life. Mm. I didn't like the way he spoke. But I like the way that he lived his life with his job. He woke up. He stayed clean every day. He stayed in the steps. He believed in God. He, you know, he owned his own home. He had two cars. He had a successful marriage. You know, I didn't like the words he used because he cussed a lot and it was kind of vulgar. But he was living the way I wanted to live. Yeah. And it goes back to them saying, you know, take take what you want and leave the rest. So, of course, you're never going to find a person that's going to have every single thing that that you want. But right. there's going to be a right. lot of right. There's certain things. you just got to take things right. out. Right. You know Absolutely. What I mean? So. I'm going to tell a little story in episode one. I talked a little bit about my time in prison. And if you guys haven't checked out the first episode, please check it out. Um, it's two roads, one destination. It talks a little bit about how Christy and I got to where we're at in our recovery. And I spoke a little bit about my time in prison here in Oregon. When I got out of prison, I knew one thing and one thing only, and that was drugs and crime. And when I got released from prison, I made a bunch of promises to myself. Like what? To be a better person, to give back, to try to find out who I am, find my spirituality. Like the list went on and on and on. But the main one was don't go back to what you know. Mm. Find something new. So when I got out of prison, um, a week before I got out, I got in a fight. I'm very blind. Okay. Like I have to wear contacts or glasses. And if I don't wear contacts or glasses, I can't see your face. And you're literally a foot and a half, two feet in front of me. Like I wouldn't know who you are without them. So I got in a fight, knocking my contacts out. I got out a week later and I was really blind. Five hours out of prison, I go to see my parole officer, Debbie, and we had a conversation and I told Debbie all these things that I was going to do, all my big plans, not knowing if they were going to become truth or not, but I had plans and I didn't know how I was going to get there. So my cousin drops me off at the parole office. He gives me his phone, his iPhone. It had about 10% battery on it. And mind you, I don't use iPhones and I don't know how to use an iPhone well, but especially after coming right out of prison, this new fancy phone. And I, I'm like waiting for, like I get down talk with my PO and I am standing in front of the parole office, which kind of felt weird to me because I haven't been there in a while. And all these people I know from my past are walking up, boo, you're out, Brandon, you're out, rah, rah, rah. And I'm like, uh, they used to call me a boo back in the day. So they were, I was like, yeah, you guys. And I was like, I couldn't see who they were mm. because I was blind. So I was like, I was like kind of tripped out. So I'm like, you know what? F this. I'm walking down to the bus station. If I can just get to the bus station from here to there, I can find a charger. And hopefully my cousin will answer the phone because every time I called him, he wasn't answering the phone. Okay. So when I start walking down the street, like immediately I start getting these feelings mm. that I haven't felt in quite some time. Like what? I was getting anxiety. Mm. I was getting a little bit of fear. I was a little cautious. Mm. I was unprepared mm. for those feelings that I was that I was feeling right there. So in Medford, Medford, Oregon, there's a little park. It's called Alba Park. I make it to the corner of Alba of of West Main and Holly at Alba Park. There's this little cannon sitting there. 
And like, I can't, it's this old canon. I don't know what it's from. I've never read the little thing in front of it, but I'm sitting in front of it and I'm in full blown tears and I'm praying to my higher power, please God. Like if I take one more step, I'm going to turn back to drugs and crime. Mm. Like I knew it, like I knew it. It was, that's what, that's what my next step was. And I was crying and I'm praying and my hands are together and I'm asking God, I'm like, please, man, like help me. Right now, if you, if you ever listen to anything I've ever asked you, please, right now is the time. Mind you, I'm blind, <laughs> and I'm sitting right at the corner, and like I look up through the, the tears in my eyes, and I'm squinting, and I can almost see this dude on the corner. He's got these Jordan shorts on and this Jordan tank top, and I think I see some gold chain on him, <laughs> and I seen some sunglasses and a flat bill hat, and immediately I'm thinking, shit, I owe somebody money already from before <laughs> I went to prison. They're I am screwed. You. Yep, and they were already out. Did, didn't take five hours, and I'm already in debt. <laughs> and this guy walks up to me, and he's, at the time, I thought he was Mexican, but he's Puerto Rican, and I'm like, this little Mexican guy's come up to me, and I used to get my drugs from Mexicans, so I was really like cautious about what to say. You know, I was really, I was scared. Mm -hmm. I was scared. I didn't know what he walks up to me. He says, Hey man, what's your name? What's your barriers? What's going on? Why are you crying? And I said, look, dude, whatever you're selling, I'm not buying. And I'd appreciate it if I can just get a couple, a little bit here. And he wasn't having, he's like, no, you don't understand. Like what's going on. I want to help you. And I said, all right, man, I'm just going to tell you the truth, man. Five hours ago, I got out of prison. I'm super scared right now. All I know is drugs and crime. And I don't know what to do next. So I'm just sitting here. I'm praying to God real quick and asking him for help. What are you doing? Wow. And he said, really? I said, yeah. He goes, well, my name's Pastor Chris. Mm. Bam. What? (laughs) So it it tripped me out. So I'm like, he's like, yeah, I literally just got done with a one-on-one and I tried to open up the door to, to to his office, to where the church was. And he says, and he wouldn't open it and it wouldn't open. And he said that he heard God literally tell him, there's somebody important across the street that you need to speak with. And he came up to me and, and like it blew us both away. Like, wow, you know, so I went into the church with them and we prayed and we talked a little bit about what, what I, what I want my life to look like and, and what are my barriers and what, what, what am I capable of and what jobs are, you know, the basic getting to know me questions Mm -hmm. and, and where am I at with it all? And it's been, shoot, two and a half years, and I still look up to my pastor. Mm. You know, um, he's the person that helped me realize where I'm at, who I helped me find out who I am. He didn't do any of it, I did. He yeah. helped me find it out along the way. Yeah. He believed in me. You know, he's the one that actually paid for my peer support certificate. Wow. I, I had half the money and I told him, I said, hey, this is what I want to do with my life. I said, can the church help me? And he says, he picks me up. He says, where do you got to go? I said, down to Foundations for Recovery. He says, I'm going to pay for the whole thing. Mm. What? Wow. I said, you don't have to do that. He goes, yeah, but I believe in you. I just want you to do me a favor and don't leave the spirituality out of it. Mm. And now I work every day in peer support. Mm. And my spirituality is still intact and I get to pray every day. I get to do my thing. You know, I don't work for a faith-based organization, but I absolutely am personally. Mm. That's where I get a lot of my recoveries from my higher power. And like to watch my pastor believe in me and speak truth into my life and actually walk alongside me from these goals that I had to be able to not only 
do the job that I love so much, but implement it into my life as well. That's, that's a big freaking deal. Like that's a W. Yeah. That's a win. You know, mm -hmm. like I've had a lot of sponsors. I've had some mentors, um, but my pastor is truly, and I got a couple other guys out there too, um, that actually really helped guide me into my recovery because um, my pastor, he doesn't do the rooms. Mm -hmm. He does 100% got him. He's a pastor. He's been clean 20 years as well. But there's other guys in that, you know, like Doug Duvall, I spoke about him last time. You know, if it wasn't for him, guiding me along the way through my recovery and walking alongside me, I don't know if I would be where I'm at today. Mm. So like, those are the two examples I have of leading by example for me and who I followed in order to become where I'm at today. You know, like I, I, this is probably off topic, but I have the keys to my church. <laughs> what? That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm like, are you sure you want to do this? It's going to trip you out when but you yeah, get But yeah, I'm on leadership in the church now, you know, yeah. and like, like, and, and in the community as well, you know, I'm, I get to, I get to do things because I just followed somebody else's lead. So isn't know? it amazing? I'm thinking as you're talking, there's that moment that you're walking out of prison and you could go one way or the other and you really, your body, your heart really wants to go the other way. Oh, yeah. But then what if that person, Pastor Chris, decided that, you know, he saw your face and decided, oh, he got a phone call or, you know, oh, I don't have time to talk to him. He's probably going to take 20 minutes. I only have five minutes, so I'm going to go the other way. Then what if your what would your life have been like? And I don't want to go down the what if, you, you but— s You see, yeah, and that's—you know, I honestly thought about that, Christy. I, I always thought, what if Pastor decided to ignore— because we're human, right? Yeah, we're like, busy. We're, we're human. Like, what if Pastor Chris was like, no, not today. Like, I'm burnout. Where, what? Yeah. Huh? But I also believe that if it wasn't him, it would have been somebody else. Yes. I don't think that I was, I don't think I was destined for a life of drugs and crime anymore. Mm. Like, I think that I did my time. I think that it solidified where I want to be and w what I want to do, which is helping people, you know, find stability in their own dang lives. And actually help people believe in themselves. I, I, I honestly think that if it wasn't Pastor Chris, it would have been somebody else. Gotcha. I, I don't think that I would have taken that left turn. Well, I also think that that act that he did um, created this um, this life for you of doing the same for other people. I watch you do right. that on a daily basis. and right. And I think that, you know, he led by example. Right. You know, so that when when you see a girl who's struggling or see a see a young man who's crying or needs help, I'm sure your heart gets pulled to them to, you know, to to want to do the same thing. I, th I think that's a natural thing natural. for somebody in recovery. You know, it is. But also, you know, they say when when you're in recovery, you get a life and you get busy. I mean, working several jobs and having fun and doing stuff. But be, I think because of your experience and, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but somebody that stopped and and, right. and looked at you and saw you mm -hmm. connected with you created this. Um, piece of being seen, and you know, and you know how important that was. So that makes you do that for other people. I, I mean, I watch you, and what you do is what you do. But not there's not a lot of Brandons out there. 
not a lot of Pastor Chris's. There are, but I think in our circle, we see a lot more of that. But I really believe anybody, not a pastor, not in recovery, can do that same thing. Walk up to somebody and say, hey, can I help you? But what does that take? That takes your heart being open. That takes a, um, uh, the, uh, an ability to connect. And a desire to want to do it, right? And a desire to get out of yourself for just a minute to help somebody And else. become selfless. Selfless, yes. You know, that's, that's a big thing. Like, that's another thing that, that my pastor taught me was how to be selfless. Because mm-hmm. I was a super—that's what we are in our addiction. Selfish. We're selfish, man. Yeah. Like, no, that's mine. Me, 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 me. <laughs> yeah, that's right? true. You know, like me, me, me. Like, I don't care about you. Right. You know, like, I'm the only one that's going to eat at this table. Was there ever a part of you in your addiction that cared about other people? Because yeah. it's hard for me to, yeah. hard for me to no. believe you didn't care I, about I believe anybody. For, I've always, and this is, and you can ask anybody out there and anybody that knows me, um, I always, I always believed in the little guy. Yeah. Like there was already enough people eating at the big table. Let's go sit at the little table. I always believed that. Like, man, they just didn't have they didn't have a hustle in their voice, or they didn't have a, a, there was they had a scared bone or whatever it was that couldn't get them moving forward. Yeah. Even you know, even in my addiction, like if if there was somebody outside of a store, they were getting ten dollars a mind or twenty dollars a mind. Mm. Like that's just how I am. Right. So so. You know, I don't think it's a matter of when people are um, out of their addiction that they all of a sudden become this great new person. It's already in us. It's already in people. And then I think just the integrity piece, the other people that are um, starting to lead by example, creates that need to um, do what we already have inside of us in a healthy way that is really quite amazing. Right. Beautifully said, Christy. Beautifully said. Because I believe wholeheartedly who you are in your recovery is the exact opposite of who you were in your addiction. Because now you you're soulful. You know, you have you have purpose now. In your addiction, there was you only had one drive. That was getting the drug. That was feeling better. Yes. In your recovery. You have so much more drive and it broadens the horizons about what you want to do with yourself because you finally, you you reclaimed your life. You reclaimed, yes. You know? Yeah. So moving forward, I'm I'm super curious to know who did you see as a leader when you were, when you were getting better, when you were getting well? You know, I had a lot of leaders. I, um. Do tell. Yeah. I didn't have that one person that, that got me when I got out. In fact, I had a gentleman that I got dropped off in in the airport in Texas. And um, a gentleman I sat next to, here I am in an airport with no luggage, which has never happened to me before in prison. Oh, no, I wasn't in prison clothes at that point. My sister had sent me some clothes. And um, uh, the the gentleman asked what I was doing in Texas. He said, is this for business or pleasure? And I thought, hmm. Uh. <laughs> and I didn't want to lie. So, I, didn't, I mean, so I just looked at him. He goes, can I get you a drink? And it's like, oh, no, thanks. And I, and I said, I'll let you know in a minute. I didn't even want to answer that. So that was like my first encounter with anyone when I got out. And so I had to go on the different um, planes in order to get to Oregon and be Besides my family meeting me there at the airport, then taking me 
to the halfway house. I have people in the halfway house that were really welcoming. And like you said, when you've been through something tough and you've gone through addiction and you're coming out of it, the the best way to combat that is to help other people. And I had that right. around me all the time, even from people that weren't in addiction. Um, I was asked to come to a reentry court, which sounded scary. Sound Can you like explain court. to me a little bit about what that is? Yeah, it's a federal court in Oregon, and it's led by a federal judge. And so what happens is you go into this room, and you have to go three times prior to getting accepted. And it's once a month, and you have a federal judge. You have at least one judge, several others at times, police officers, counselors, um, probation, and uh, they sit around a table with other people that have got out of prison. Right. And so you, um, and, and then they ask you how your month was. And so it's kind of odd telling, you know, you're around, you just got out, you're kind of trying to acclimate, and and the judge wants to know how your month was. And and she's really amazing. Her name is Judge Ann Aiken, and she's amazing at helping Hi, Judge people. Aiken. Hey, she knows I love her. She is like— And we she, know she'll be listening to this, too. <laughs> she will. So how do? <laughs> she, is, she is my number one mentor. Um, well, I have a bunch of mentors, but— um, because what she does is she looks at each person, she hears how their month was, and she wants to be of service. And she says, you know, every time I put somebody away in prison, my little piece of my heart rips out. And she thinks, wow, if I could only have gotten them when they were a young boy or a young girl. Mm. And so she says, now I want to help you. So she has her computer and her phone out, and she says, you know, those that need help with um, child care or getting their license, whatever they need help with, she helps them. She'd be resourcing. On the spot. Wow. She has her contacts, and she does not hesitate to use them, which I love. And what she says to me was um, she believed in me to the point that she said, well, you're going to college, right? And I thought, oh, gosh, I can't go to college. You know, I'm I'm too old. And I did fill out the FAFSA form when I was in prison. Something in my heart talked about that. And so I filled it out with a pencil, and I borrowed a stamp, and I sent it in. But I had no idea where it went. <laughs> you put it in the mail, the snail mail. <laughs> it's on its way and you're somewhere. Like, I don't know where this form is. Who knows? And so she just really poured into me about the things that I could do. And um, she really just saw me. You know, there I, I didn't know that I needed to be seen. Right. As a person. Right. When I was in Rhode Island, this is a little bit off topic, but it's really pro- profound. When I was in Rhode Island, um, I was in a cell that was that faced the, the, the visiting room. So people would walk by. I was like eight stories up. So um, people would walk by on the weekends, and they would come see their people that were in there. And I was far away in Rhode Island, which is the furthest state I think you can get from California. And so I didn't really have a lot of visitors at all. And then um, so when they would come by, I would pound on the window. And they would look up. And then, and then I think they were surprised to see a woman. There were mainly men in that prison except for one floor of women. And um, they, they would stop what they were doing and put their hands in prayer position and then look and then smile. And I would just start bawling. Just tears were flowing, and I thought, wow, I didn't know how bad I needed to be seen. And so I would do that every weekend, Saturday and Sunday, like they were, hi, it's me again, like pounding on the window. And they would stop what they were doing each time. It didn't matter if it was kids or older people or young. They And they would go, go by on their bikes and would stop and then just stop for a minute. Just like your pastor Chris did, right. but I was still in there, and they would just look and and um, and you know just see me. 
And so the fact that my tears were just flowing every single weekend doing that for two years, I was like shocked that I that I needed to be seen in that deep level. I have never allowed myself to be seen, allowed someone to see me in that horrific environment where I'm in a right. prison cell. Right. And I would watch, you know, like the little boys ride by on their bikes and they'd stop and look up and do a little dance. And I just loved it. You know, so when I got out and I had a judge see me, it made me really start to be able to look inside myself and and see me and see all the possibilities. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but no, to it see, does. To, to, see, to me, it does. To see all the possibilities that I had in me, and kind of like your story, what I'm realizing is now it makes me on the flip side see people. Right. Cha-ching. You know, I stop what I'm doing. When I go on a run and I and I my favorite thing they I'm sure they think I'm insane when I'm on a run I'm just smiling I am right. so happy whoever you are I stop I say hi good morning how are you and you know and I think I take take them off guard but I really I love to see people and um I think that was just a really good example So I, I just got. you know I, I I've met a lot of judges in my life (laughs) some on better terms than most but i can say it might sound cliche but like boy she holds that term honorable right Mm, right the most right yeah thank you judge aiken she's the best yeah that's cool you know i have yet to meet her i met her once but it wasn't a formal introduction but i'm sure down the road here as soon as this whole thing stops we're gonna I'm sure I'll get to meet her. But so I'm just super curious. Like, do you see the same people today as leaders as you did then? Do you have somebody else you look up to today than you did then? Well, I see the same people as leaders. I also, the cool thing is, I see myself as a leader. Come on, man. Give me one. Come on, man. Tell the truth. It's true because, you know, we, we've been in a position where not a lot of people have. Yeah, when you're in the system, you think everyone has been in the same position, but they're not. And so one of the favorite things that I love to do, and I learned gradually, step by step, sharing my story to people that have never been in prison, that have never had addiction or don't say they do. And I share with women um, where I've been. And it kind of um, takes their breath away for a minute because, like I said in the past episode, I used to be a wardrobe stylist. So one of my favorite things to do is get dressed up, stand in front of a group of women, and I'm giving a talk, and I say to them, I just got out of prison. And then their heart kind of stops, and I say, yeah. And now they want to pay attention. And now they want to pay attention. Isn't that some stuff? And they love it when I say, you don't know who the person is sitting next to you. (laughs) Right. And they look at the person next to them like, like, oh, don't look at me. Because if we we were in a waiting room and you said, oh, I'm I'm a wardrobe, whatever whatever that is, everybody's going to look this way and say, but I've also been to prison. They're all going to go, what? You know what I mean? Yes. Judgy. Prison has that connotation of evil, you know. Of course, crime. I mean, it's been years and years of it, you know? Yeah. It's just kind of, and I, I feel the same way with, the, with people in addiction. Yeah, stigma. You know, stigma. And we'll talk which about that. You guys are going to get a load of that one. But, you know, thank you, Christy, because I, I, I feel like I could be a leader. I'm working on it. I'm sure you are people, a leader. yeah, I'm sure people see me as that. But today, my leaders are close to me. 
Yes, me too. My boss, my board chair. And I'm not just saying that because she's in the room. Like, (laughs) I look at them and I think, wow, like, this is who I get to work with every day. Mm. I get to actually learn how to be a leader from true leaders. Yes. And I don't take that shit for granted. Yes. And it and it and it takes something special and it takes wanting to do well and it takes being honest and vulnerable and humble to share with the people that are your leaders and say, Hey, I'm feeling ABC, whatever it is. I need you to pour some truth into me. I I do that to the people that lead me and I say, Hey, I know what I'm feeling right now is not right. Right. But I need right. to share it. And can right. you you know, I'll I'll even hang up the phone and say, can you just call me back and pour some truth into me? Because I need to hear that. And, right. and they do that. And I love doing that for other people, too. You know, and it's also one of them things where it's like, okay, so here's Brandon. I was, okay, you guys are getting a little vulgar here. But I was on the streets shooting heroin, doing these stupid things. And I went to prison. And then I found these people that my higher power put in my life that, that have now helped me get to this position that I'm in right now. And when I got out of prison, I was pumping gas. And today I get to work with helping people. And now I get to help. Now I get to be a part of something amazing with this podcast and many, many other things. The thing is, is I now, and you guys, I hope you pay attention to this because this is big for me and I hope it is for you. I hang out with people that are leaders. Yes. If you want to become a leader, Hang out with them, find them, whether it's whoever, whatever interests you find that leader and really click to them because I have three pastors. I've got two mentors. I've got Stephanie is one of my mentors. Shout out. Shout out Stephanie Mendenhall. You'll get to meet her. But like, seriously, and it's like, I never thought that I would be able to be where I'm at, but I took that leap of fear because I didn't think I could do this stuff. Mm. So I just followed right behind him real close. Something happened this week and I told Stephanie, I said, you're my fearless leader and I'll follow you into battle. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, Stephanie, we're going to do it mm. because that's how you're going to learn, right? Get Isn't into that a amazing? Scared. Isn't that amazing that um, if, if you surround yourself with people that inspire you, Right. And if you have courage, though those two together, someone inspires you and you have courage, then you pretty much can do anything. Yep. I got told one time before that, show me your friends, I'll tell you your future. Mm. Yeah. Show me your friends, I'll tell you your future. I looked around and my friends, I did not want my future. <laughs> no, sir. They were, because I, I wasn't getting no mail up there, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know, I really appreciate that conversation because it's super important, you know. Um, I have, we, we wrote down a couple things before we did this, and it's a little bit about what does it mean to be a leader, right? And we jotted a couple things down here. Now, if we can throw some things in that, weren't, that we haven't thought about, we'll give it to you guys too. But, like, the number one for me would be having confidence mm-hmm. and believing you are. Yes. Because, you know, like, I can't believe that people think I'm a natural when I stand up there and stand up and, and talk in front of people. I'm letting you know right now, like, I'm scared of doing it where I work and I do it three times a week. Yeah. And it still shivers me a little bit, but I have to do it and I got to have that confidence. Right. Right? Right. Like you need confidence. Which one do you see on there do you think is big one for you? Boy, I I really love to see the potential in others because I think everybody has the ability to be great. I know, and, and and the people that we speak to that are even still in their addiction, I say, I know you're smart, right? They say, yeah, I'm really smart. Or, um, yeah, I know I could do that, but I'm just too afraid. Or right. I'm not ready right. yet. Right. 
So I love the fact that um, someone that's a leader meets someone where they are and then sees the potential in them. And not and I and I don't mean potential like, well, one day you'll be this. You are already. Now let's pull it out of you. Yeah. Right? You are already that. So let's let all that crap go, the fear, the shame, the um all the guilt and really trauma. There's so much trauma. I had told my mom, if you take everybody out of prison that has trauma, there would hardly be anybody in there. I mean, massive amounts of trauma that's never treated. And there's rarely a person that we come in contact with that is addicted that doesn't have trauma. Right. So if we can work through that and, um, and really just pour into them, that's what we do, right? That's what we do. Right? Pouring into them is another yeah. one. And it, it's that. See, here I'm going to do it again. Stephanie one time told me she's like, I've been given a gift of seeing people whole, oh. how they're supposed, how God intended them to be, and I was really knocked off by that. I was like, wait, what? Mm. And then it happened. You know, I asked. I asked for provision. Mm-hmm. I asked and, and, and it was given to me. And now I see him as a whole. Like I see just like that girl we were talking about from last night. I seen her. Boom. I seen her as whole. Like I didn't see her as somebody suffering from addiction. That is such a gift to be able to do that. Can anyone do that? I, do I, don't, I don't know. What's your opinion on that? You know, that's a, that's. A, I think anybody can do anything if they dial themselves in in the right direction. But. I don't think everybody has it. No, I think it takes a special somebody. And I, and for me, it was becoming a believer and really getting in tune with my higher power and understanding what my calling was. And I believe getting in tune with yourself. So if you're, if you're connected to yourself, if you're solid enough, I mean, there's, that doesn't mean you're solid. You're never going to be shaky, but if you're solid enough in who you are, then you're not needing to look at um, tear someone down or look at the right. judgment in someone. Right. If you're, if you're, if you know you're working your best to to be in integrity and doing the best possible, it's easier to to look at someone else and see their fil- fullness. But I think, I think it takes a lot of work and effort. Well, you know, and it does, it does. But you also have to know. You have to believe mm. when you say something to somebody. Yeah. You have to believe it. You have to know it. Like you can't just say, oh. Pfft, I think you can do it. You're going to do great. No, you have to say, I know you can do it. Mm. Together, we're going to do it so you can become great. You know? You know, that's funny when you said that when I got out of prison and I was at the halfway house and I was at a um, a halfway house where there was, it was like a jail as well. And there were a lot of young girls in there and they would cry and I would look at them and I'd just stare at their face. I'd grab their shoulders and I'd say, I promise you it's going to be okay. Right. And they'd say, how can you say that? And I said, I promise you it will be okay. That's a bold promise. That's a bold promise. But I know that because I lived it. Right. So I can promise them that. I lived that. You know, I have to agree. I I kind of feel similar making promises like that, that mm. you just know. We know. That yeah. you just know, as bold as they are, confidence. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because it's going to be okay. And isn't that pure freedom when it's when you know something? It's not anything that you've read. You, you well, know some of it. it can be freedom. Some of it can be really scary when you know something, you know. But yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. You know, we have a couple other ones here. Like we put on build others up, know your shit, pour into others, and listen. The one, you know, out of those four, I got to say, listening to somebody. Mm. You know, especially when they look up to you as a leader, 
it's up to you to listen. I read this quote one time and I like to just, this is my own personal, how I live my quotes is, listen to understand. Mm. Do not listen to respond. Boy, that's a hard one. For who? Because I knocked that out (laughs) of the park. It took me a long time. I didn't get it like, oh, I read it and I got it. Like I had to do some work around it. So like I practiced it on my wife because she just talks. (laughs) And like she, you know what I mean? So I just listen to understand instead of to reply. You know what I mean? And Mm. like, and now that I get to do this every day and, you know, we see so many people a week, a month, a year that I've got a lot of practice on it. And if you listen to understand, then the response will come natural. And that is such a loving thing to do. Right? So yeah. I believe, like, in order to be a good a good leader, you have to listen. Yes. In order to be a good leader, you got to know your shit. You can't just run off the top of your... No, you got to know what you're talking about. You got to have facts. You got to be sure. You can't, you can't fall back on a, well, maybe this is a... No, that's not who I'm following. I want to follow somebody who knows. Yeah, and I know a lot of us, we, we can um, tell if someone's lying or not, or if they know. You know, it's that BS detector... It's at full speed ahead. That's one of my superpowers. Yeah. <laughs> That's a Which superpower. Which one, the BS or the no, detector? N- the detector, okay. like both of them. Like, hey, like <laughs> I can do both really yeah. well. No, but like catching somebody lying, like I had to grow up lying my whole life. Like, that's how I thought I got away when that's how I thought I that's that's what you're supposed to do. Mm. You know? The other one is pouring into others. What now when you say pouring into others, what does that look like to you? That means giving of yourself without expecting anything back. Selfless. Selfless. Yeah. Damn. And that means good at this. (laughs) Raising people up. They they all kind of go hand in hand. Right. Raising people up into their potential. How how we know they can live in recovery, just like. Pastor Chris did with you. And when we pour into other people, we're just pouring love into them. You said right off the jump that you're started with lack of love. Right, right. So if someone can just pour love into you, you know, I think it's amazing when when I can walk by someone after speaking with them and saying, for whatever it's worth, at least I know that they got love today. Right, right. And, and so that kind of leads me to another beautiful point. Um, you know, I... It's important for me to be a leader to people that we work with. But as much as that should be important to me, the ones that it's most important to me for are my nieces, my nephews, the you know the the kids that look up to me, those are the ones to me that I should be a leader to first off and foremost, you know, because I they remember me as Uncle Abu on the couch nodded off bringing in who, who, who knows what and who knows where. And for the past years now, they haven't seen that. Mm. They see uncle Brandon. Wow. And you know, I get to take them shopping. I get to take them to the movies. I get to take them to go put grip tape on their skateboards, Mm. you know, buy them shoes. Shoot. We've done that too. Like, and when I come over, I make sure that, you know, I wash my dish so they see that that's what you're supposed to do. Wow. I'll go to their house and take their trash out and yell at them all the way out the door. I shouldn't <laughs> be doing this. You know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> because I'm, I want to be a leader in their yeah. life. Yeah. You know? It ain't all cakes and ice cream being a leader. So you know? important. Yeah, it's not all cakes and ice cream being a leader. Um, do you feel the same way? 
Yeah, I do. I think, um, you know, my family, my my nephews are older, so I don't really have that, um, them watching me in that way. But I And you're in Oregon. And I'm in Oregon. What does right. that mean? Because you're from Orange County, right? Yes, yes. So, yeah. But they're in Oregon now, too. Oh, beautiful. My yeah, bad. Yeah, that's my one bad. of the reasons that I came here. But, um, yeah, I think... Just as you said, that um, people are watching, you know, and the fact that I tell my story in a way that lets people know that I was in prison, I think that it's really important to to walk in a way that is, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna speak about something, I need to be about it and be sure and be sure because otherwise it's too scary to get up there and tell your story or to or to talk about things when it's just like this shuck and jive thing. That you're talking about instead of really who you are. So, you know, it's easier to speak when you're talking about who you are. Right. And and, and there's so many points to that. You have to know what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Know your shit. That's mm-hmm. what it says right there. Right well, there. and I think that's why in the past I never was comfortable talking. I never was comfortable sharing. I didn't share, like I've said, about my feelings. I didn't share about anything because I wasn't even connected to myself. I don't know who the hell I was. I wasn't living in integrity. I, I don't know what the hell I was doing. So now that I am living in that way, I can speak about it all day long. Right. Yeah. I love That's that. the difference. And, you know, that brings me back to my nieces and nephews. You know, it's like I didn't have that as a kid. Mm. I didn't. My role model was Tony Montana. <laughs> Bro. <gasps> and look how far that got me. Yeah. So now, you know, like kids today. You know, I remember my dad when he when when I was young, and my dad, my uncles would say, "Oh, you don't even know what it was like growing up. We had to do all this jive." Well, I'm telling you right now, like kids today, they don't have it easy. Right? Kids don't have it easy. No, Twenty twenty is taking a kick in the gut to everybody, but especially our kids. Yeah. You know, so that's why I feel like it's really important for me to make time for their lives, and you know, walk with them. Yeah, and that's the best way to get out of yourself is to be of service. Right. You know, I, I wouldn't, right. And even if it's to your own family, yes. it doesn't matter, you know, being of service, period, being available. Yeah. I'm available today. Yeah. 100%. I'm freaking available today. I, I go over there and after the dogs bark, all the kids run to me. Mm. So I know I'm doing my part. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. It just, I never felt like a leader before until, you know, I found the importance of what it means to be a leader. And I didn't know that for a long time. So, ladies and gentlemen out there, if you guys don't know what it's like to be a leader, find somebody that's a leader. Find somebody you look up to. Ask them how they did it. Talk to them. Get to know them. Tag along. Yeah. You know, everyone loves to talk about themselves. Right. Everybody loves to tell <laughs> how they, they so do. Right. So if you went up to someone and said, hey, I'd love to do what you're doing. Can you let me know a little bit about how you did it? Right. Right. They will respond. I think that's my favorite thing about being in recovery is the ability to to network. Right. It blows me away. I often sit in my house just cracking up, laughing out loud of the different people that I've been introduced to that I have the guts to say, hey, I'm Christy. I'm in Oregon. Here's what I need. Is there any resource? And the amount of people that respond is huge. So my network's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's just because I'm trying to be of service. Girl, you're doing big things. Don't sell yourself short, please. Well, it's true that, you know, if um, 
I think that it's important to be around people that inspire us, um, network, don't be afraid. Like like you say, you know, when you are standing in front of the people in the Recovery Cafe, which we'll talk about, um, it appears that you have it all going on that you are not afraid at all. So I love the fact that you are honest about I get fearful. And then so that makes it— I am it, human. Yeah, you're human. But a lot of times when we're when we're not putting ourselves out there, when we're still newly in recovery or we're, or we're in addiction, we think it's just us. I was my own private island. Thank you very much. Right. So when I got to prison and people would write me about the things they went through, I was like, holy hell, you guys didn't tell me all this. I thought it was just right. me going through so much stuff. So the fact that we can be leaders and say, hey, I'm afraid— but I'm up here doing it anyway, gives people permission to be afraid. Do you think those ladies writing you think you're a leader? I, I think so now. I do yeah, too. For I do sure. too. I yeah. absolutely do. Chrissy, you're very much a leader. Aww, I want so you to know that. Brandon. I mean, that's why that's why we do what we do, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I really appreciate that. And, you know, I remember one time, like when I first started this job, I was like, I don't know what to do. And <laughs> Stephanie says, I want to raise leaders. Ah. Yeah. I want to help build leaders. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that. Wow. I had to really sit there and think about that. Become leaders. <laughs> what does that mean? What does that even mean? And then, you know, in time, Stephanie, she slowly but surely, because I'm a real slow learner, she, you know, she shows me how to become a leader every day. The most important to me is a leader in my household. Yes. You know, is being a leader in my household. That's because everything... My wife is the leader of the household. Yeah, let's but not I am get it the leader. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, but I am the leader of the household. You know what I mean? But no, but it's like that's where it starts with, you know, like because without being a leader in my household, my bills wouldn't be paid. Mm-hmm. There wouldn't be anything going on. It'd be a couch and a box TV. Well, you know, there's no way that you can be a leader in one area and not the other area. That's just, you know, that's just who you are. I, I really believe that. Oh, you guys are going to get a load of us. <laughs> this is going to be good. So I also believe that it's important to challenge ourselves. Yes. You know, um, if every you, day. yeah, every day, no matter what it is. So ladies and gentlemen out there, if you guys are listening, which I know you are because we're amazing. Um, my challenge to you today is be a leader. Mm. If you're not there yet, find somebody you respect. Find somebody to look up to. You know, I said this a little bit ago, but I really want to reiterate how important it is to be a leader. Yeah, and what a cool thing to ask someone to be your mentor. Right? That's and, flattering it, and amazing. And I want to let you know right now that it's not as difficult as you're making it out to be. But it's vulnerable. In your head. It's yes. vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So do you have any last comments Anything you'd like to say? Well, I would just really like to let everybody know that they're amazing. Yeah, you are. Yeah. And I think whether you're in recovery or in addiction or you don't know anything about it, talk to the people around you. Right. See see them, um, pour into them, listen to them, um, build others up, and maybe it starts with yourself. Right. Look in the mirror. Yeah, look in the mirror. Yep. Well, you guys, we sure did have a good day today. Um, please comment, subscribe, and like. Um, and if you want to, when you comment, let us know how you're doing. 
let's talk about your recovery story. Let's get, let's, let's read some stuff in there that, that, that motivates you. Um, I'm just super excited that we're able to do this today. Um, I sure hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, I have one thing. I bet you do, girl. <laughs> so I love quotes. Sometimes, they're, well, a lot of times they're really pow- powerful. So I have a quote. Can I read it to you? Can you? Yeah. Can you? Okay. Um, it's from Linda Myers. I'm not sure who that is, though. It is. But shout out it to is Linda, Linda Myers, Myers though. Okay. That's, a, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. It says, I can walk a mile in your shoes, but I already know they're just as uncomfortable as my own. So let's walk next to each other. He liked that. Let that soak in. <laughs> yes. We already know other shoes are uncomfortable. It's all uncomfortable, but if we walk by each other. At least it makes it a little more easier, yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks wow. for letting me read that. I really love that quote. This is Stephanie, the producer of the podcast, and I have an organization in Medford, Oregon called Reclaiming Lives, where we really walk alongside people in their recovery and their active addiction to recovery. And working with Brandon and Christy every day is such a privilege and honor. I just see them as such Mm -hmm. leaders in our community, and what they do for others is something to behold. Um, The experiences that they've had in their past and how they bring that into the future and use it all for good is just amazing. Mm. So thank you for joining Joining us today, we're really excited to uh, be here and and grow our following. But really, just love to get to know you. So please comment. So excited! And yeah. let us know what you think of everything being discussed. We have lots of topics to go over, and we're excited just to be a part of people's lives. What so a thank cool you. thing we get to do! Can you <laughs> believe this? So real quick before we end it, I just want to say that Stephanie and I, in the beginning of um, right, right around March, when COVID really took hold. Stephanie and I, we started a Facebook Live um, just to keep connection while people were in, um, what did they call it again? Quarantine. Quarantine. <laughs> while they were in, Never I like to call it isolation. <laughs> I like to call it isolation. They don't even know what quarantine is. But like during isolation, Stephanie and I just really thought it'd be important. And then this is how the mind works, man. If you believe it, you can do it. We mm, just literally absolutely. said, wouldn't it be cool to do a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. When and, you reach 40,000 views on Facebook Live in a small town like Medford, you got to do something bigger. Yeah. <laughs> so we're super glad that you guys are taking this adventure with us. Um, we're super excited to continue to do this work. Um, we got a really good episode next week. It's... or. or I don't know how we're doing this. Next time you hear from us, it'll be how we used our live experience to work in the recovery field. Um, There's a lot of people out there that are working in the recovery field right now who have lived experience. So this is going to be a topic that Chrissy and I are definitely going to tear apart and we're going to have a lot of fun with. I hope you guys have a really, really good day. Um, Remember, somebody's watching you, so be a leader. God bless. love you. The views and opinions of Brandon and Christy are their own and are not those necessarily of the Reclaiming Lives organization or our board, uh, also the sponsoring organization. This podcast should not be considered professional advice and is for entertainment purposes only. Bye.